you got anything? Oh. <laughs> That's funny. That's an auspicious, that is, auspicious start. That is, yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Even, you're right about the hairpin. I mean, that is, um, I got I to gotta stay on my toes here. You really do. You really do. Because when the red light goes on. <laughs> you're supposed I need to you, I the, need you to dance, monkey. <laughs> that's the camera that is looking at you. That's, that's, well. <laughs> <laughs> Turn and smile. <laughs> is that Michelle Bachman? Is that her? She did that old press release where uh, the whole uh, Republican response to the, are you, do you know what I'm talking about? To the uh, debate I, or to the uh, the State of the Union? had a debate, and I know that there was a. Oh no! Yeah, the it was state a response to the State of the yeah, Union where did, she did the whole th- her own her, her own, own response off, off and yeah. she was looked at the wrong camera. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> well, she is. That is the lamestream media right there. Can can we talk about uh, Vancouver? Yeah, you know, I, I people. I, I um. <laughs> I was pretty dejected myself last night, and I hadn't watched a single hockey game all year long. Is it because it's because you're a you are not naturally a Bruins fan? Is that what I hear? Uh, I, I just have friends in Vancouver, and and I you know thought and and a couple that I follow on Twitter on occasion um, who I knew had a lot of you know a lot riding on this, and so I watched the game last night, hoping for a Vancouver win, and I like the city of Vancouver. Um, but uh, yeah, then this morning I was I was watching the news and uh, and some bad things happened after uh, the Canucks lost for nothing. What what, what happened in Vancouver? Vancouver, <laughs> which let's you know, I think we need to go back just a little bit. Vancouver, my initial impression of Vancouver, having uh, only spent a little bit of time there years ago, uh, I thought Vancouver was the city of peace and love and the stew of uh, various different uh, cultural and racial backgrounds. And it was just a really sort of beautiful Canadian rainbow palace. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is really what I think on a sunny day anyway, is the most beautiful city on the planet. And then you and I go to Vancouver and get uh, molested. Did we? We got. We had. Remember, we were robbed. <laughs> um, robbed in Vancouver. I don't recall. Are you kidding me? No. When we had all our laptops stolen out of the trunk of the car. I. <laughs> wow! I put that one into a dark corner of my mind. You weren't. Were you not there? I thought you and I were in Vancouver together. Well, then yeah. let me tell you the story. Then this will mean more to you. No, I think I was there, and I think I did push that into a dark corner of my mind. Well, I think I was there with you. Actually, it was a it was a, a horrible, a horrible thing. Where I do remember that the, the trunk got you caught me there, opened, and and all of our stuff. I do remember so I, that. I thought uh, you are right. I just remember going through dumpsters and yes. looking for you know stuff. Uh, lost everything in the parking lot of a restaurant. So I think. The city actually has a seedy underbelly. This is it, it, this is a city that is not unlike Salt Lake City, uh, sort of the minister's daughter. Right. I always oh, compare but them to. The however, minister. I would say, um, you know, 
a glaring difference between Salt Lake and Vancouver is Vancouver was just rated one of the top places to live in the entire world. Like top- <laughs> Salt Lake City has <laughs> not yet Lake been in the running. That distinction, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Vancouver was. Did you see that? I, mean, I think there, there was a couple of Canadian cities, and then you know, pretty much every metropolitan area in, in Australia and in New Zealand were rated the top, and I think a couple of Scandinavian cities. Top quality of life. All, you know, all things considered. Um, but no, I have experienced some weird <laughs> situations in Vancouver and, and I do have a little bit of firsthand experience about how things go when, uh, uh, when you're in kind of a, a big public festival. I went once to the, uh, the international fireworks festival in, um, down on the waterfront late at night. Mm-hmm. And my walk back to the, uh, transit center from that got really hairy what do you mean, Harry? What does that look like? Like I saw people get uh, cut on the street. Um, I watched somebody actually get cut, like a knife, and I saw people have uh, broken bottles, like broken over their head, coming out of uh, bars. You are kidding. No, I'm not joking. Because I sort of have this impression, like if that happens in Vancouver, they're likely using breakaway stunt bottles. But they're no, not. They use real glass up there. Is there what you're saying. Thing, things do sort of happen in <laughs> in parts of the town. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, anyway. I, I I I've sort of you know you're not super shocked when a uh, when a crowd gets drunk and slightly unruly in Vancouver. But this was nuts. And the thing is, you know, I I've been thinking all week about this Facebook recognition thing. The Facebook face recognition. It's hard to actually say that. You read it, but to say it. Uh, anyway, and I know it's a very controversial issue and people are like, oh my gosh. And then this morning I go, I went to the Vancouver Sun to get more detail on this, um, the, the riots that occurred after the, uh, the loss. Um, and one of the links on Vancouver Sun is to somebody has started this Facebook page uh, about that the, the purpose is to post pictures from the riots and identify people, if you know them, to sort of help because there's looting. I mean, people were breaking into stores, running out with purses. There were people setting cop cars on fire, turning cars over in the streets, pretty serious crimes. And there were lots of cameras around. Um, oh, yes. Mostly smartphones, but uh, lots of also nice cameras and security cameras, because this is a city also that, um, speaking of security cameras, just hosted the 2010 Winter Olympics. So lots these, of security. Yeah, people know how to do security footage. Well, you security footage, yes. Security, it didn't quite look like they knew how to do that last night, although I'm sure they did, uh, or do know how to, and right. have plans. <laughs> yeah, they have no <laughs> idea how to actually handle the turmoil. awry last night. God, can they document it? But <laughs> it's so fascinating to go through these these pages on this face, and it's got like thirty thousand fans already, and this can only be like hours old. But yeah, the stuff that's popping up, and people are doing screenshots of of people they know, I guess, who are on Facebook and who probably were still in their drunken high testosterone state, you know, posting pictures on their own Facebook page, incriminating themselves. <laughs> so those have been sort of screen captured and. Uh, and and and, this, and this, kind of go from thinking, wow, my own privacy, boy, this Facebook, you know, Facebook, uh, whatever, face recognition. Again, it is hard to say. You're gonna have to try it. But um, boy, that's such a, you know, it's so incriminating. And then something like this happens, and you think, but then again, let's. I mean, those hoodlums should be in jail. Oh, you just sounded like my grandpa. <laughs> I know. I know. I. I what? When did the hoodlums uh, become a part uh, of your? That, 
just because of the reading I was doing and yeah. the other people calling them hoodlums. They're it's hoodlums, of- yeah. They're gadabouts. Just kids. These are just thugs. These are hood. This is not our city. This is a disgrace. It's a little sad to read, actually. I mean, it is really sad to read, especially when you see the cars like on fire. I mean, you know, I, I. I I don't even know how to say this. I I I don't think it's derogatory when I say that this response to the loss of a hockey game in Canada is predictable for me. <laughs> like if you'd asked me before this happened, oh man, what do you think would happen if the if if the Canada lost the cup? I'd say, oh man, there'd probably be rioting in the streets. You know well, and part of your part of your prediction could be, well, now wait a minute. To predict this, what happened the last time Canada or Vancouver lost the Stanley Cup? Well, that was 1994, and the exact same thing happened. The exact same thing happened. But last time, Facebook was not a player, and this time, See, poor Brock Anton. <laughs> yeah, yeah wow. that kid. That I... today is a hangover like no other for that young man. Dumbass. I'm sorry. <laughs> He is a dumbass. Brock Anton is a trending topic on Twitter. Oh. He uh, he posted on his Facebook uh, page, this is a quote, maced in the face, hit with a baton, tear gassed twice, six broken fingers, blood everywhere, punched a fucking pig in the head with riot gear on, knocked him to the ground, threw the jersey on a burning cop car, flipped some cars, burnt some smart cars, burnt some cop cars. I'm on the news. One word, history, smiley face, smiley face, big smiley face. Apparently, Brock Anton likes his own post, and so does his friend Tyrone Gallant and Ashley Pahota with the punchline, Brock, KKKKKKK at the end of Brock, take this down. It's evidence. <laughs> I know. It's, that's a sweet girl to remind him. She is. She's very sweet to kind of insinuate herself into the story that way. So <laughs> that's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, that they're using uh, that, that uh, I mean, you say, I, okay, this wraps into so many stories and things that have gone on this week. Um, because have you seen Google's uh, announcement of me on the web? That just hit, I think, no. this morning. So there's a new tool. If you go to your Google dashboard, you know the Google dashboard? Sure. Sorry, I'm just writing down Google Me. Okay, well, I'm going to go to that. Uh, okay, so you go to you. You just go to Google dashboard to your dashboard, right? And your dashboard, your Google dashboard, is your when you log in with your Google account, or your Gmail account. It is the service that gives you the um, the kind of snapshot of how you use all the Google products, right? So all your purchases on checkout, all of your blogs on Blogger, all of your, you know, everything you use on Google, you get this one kind of overall snapshot or dashboard uh, of all your use of Google products. So it's very handy. And they, they launched this new bit uh, right between, you know, right above analytics, I think, uh, where you can see you on the web. And it actually links to a couple of... Um, posts in the Google support database that talk about what to do if you find uh, information that is incorrect or slanderous about you on the oh. web and how you can go about managing that and and removing that oh, information. Oh, look at that. Yes, and, yes. Look you at know, that. Much of it, if you read it, is, you know, 
sort of abdicates responsibility. It says Google does not own the internet. Google has no control over what is posted on the internet. So here are the steps you need to take to manage your own information. You know, make sure if it's, you know, if you have pictures posted in public places, make sure you understand what privacy settings are. We don't control that. Make sure you only post stuff that you, you know, want representing you and your reputation. We don't control that. If somebody else posts things about you, contact them or their website. We don't control that. And and so there's a lot of we don't do. We don't we don't do that. But but where we do do things, here's where we're going to help you do that. And so it's sort of a tutorial of how to manage your own privacy and your own information on the web. And it shows all the inbound and outbound links. Um, and, and you can actually use, uh, I think, fueled by a Google Alerts service, you can actually set up email alerts that will email you when your name is re- is mentioned, uh, you know, in association with you and your profile anywhere on the web. So, you know, if somebody says something crummy about me, it'll send me an email. And uh, I wonder if, uh, if, you know, poor Brock Anton has, uh, you know, if this was a day late and a dollar short for a guy like Brock. Uh, because I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he would have been you don't think so? paying attention. But. No? No. Well, I, it's just a fascinating kind of evolution of the tool because, and and it, what it says to me is that you know what we we as a culture uh, really don't get this stuff, right? I mean, there's a sort of a cultural immunity to awareness of privacy. We have this gut response to things when we say, "Oh, yeah. I want my private life private," and then we post things like Brock did on Facebook in a place that ended up being very very public. Or, or a name I, I, I hope um, we've heard, <laughs> I hope we'll hear far less of, uh, Mr. Wiener. Um, oh! That story's gotten really old. But Man. you put that with the, you know, the Facebook, you know, Facebook thing, and okay, so now this. But there have been, yes, there have been several different stories. Um, uh, I know there was an NPR discussion the other day that I was listening to. And, and, and there's, there's certain people you'll, you know, they're having this conversation about, um, well, gosh, you know, is this, what is this? Is this an invasion of privacy? Is this, is this sort of the end of our, you know, digital innocence? Or is this, is this more, you know, um, whatever, this is going to make us less safe. Um, and, and these, so there were two people talking that were just very, I think, kind of self-righteous about, well, I mean, why would you even post pictures of yourself in the first place? And why would you post pictures of your children and, you know, let alone, you know, post pictures of yourself in your underwear and send them to co-eds in, you know, Seattle? Um, but, you know, why would you post anything? Well, you know, it, <laughs> why? Yeah. I, because, I don't know, people have an impulse to share and people have an impulse um, to have this sort of level of fame among their 300 friends or whatever you know what i mean you, well, yeah. you, you want a certain level of exposure you want a certain level of connectivity or and, i think it goes even just, beyond that it's because we are at our very root we are tribal people and that's yeah. the problem because before technology our tribes were all around us and we would have our neighborhoods and we would have our block parties and we would have our schools and we would have work and people are naturally social and what we're seeing right now is the confluence of events of that sort of genetic makeup and under trying all of us trying to understand how technology affects that and i don't think people get it yet it's not it's not sort of why maybe my kids will get it maybe your kids are 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 the generation that will wake up and and have that sort of um deep seated kind of genetic sense of what it means to be private and public 
they will be by I think by their very nature far more public than we are. Uh, but our- yes, but and and this was actually so another NPR discussion. <laughs> but um, there was there was a there was one on Science Friday a couple of weeks ago that um, s- the guest was sort of offering up alternatives to Facebook essentially, and and was talking about things like um, Path, I guess the the um, the photo sharing site where you select. I think up to 30 of your friends. Yeah, 50, um, you get you get 50, 50 friends and that becomes your whole network. If you want so to instead add more of, than that, you have to take somebody off. It's like yeah. speed dial for share, sharing pictures. So, yeah, so there was this whole like, and, and that was one of, I think, several that were discussed and a few that I still intend to kind of look at just because I was a little curious. Um, there was some, one I thought was actually really interesting was, um, like you say you're at a concert and uh, and you take a picture and it's geotags because you're on your iPhone and let's say you know 30 other people did the same. When you post to this particular you know social photo sharing site, it will link all of those 30 people together essentially, right. so that that event, if you want to look at that event, you don't have to know any of those other people. And it sounds really cool. And then you know the guest was reminding the host, yeah. But it only works if everybody's on that sharing site. And, you know, Path, I guess, only works if you really don't want, um, I, I mean, you really are really that selective and that's all you really want. So here's the thing, I guess, that I'm getting at. In Facebook, uh, another story this past couple of weeks, they've lost 6 million users in the U.S. this past year. And people are asking why, um, sort of publicly, you know, like, well, why would that be? And so that I think it just sort of, it always sort of snowballs and the pendulum seems to sort of swing between Facebook's growing and it's awesome and it's, you know, it connects people and it's, you know, whatever. And then on the other side, Facebook is awful and, you know, the average, like, whatever, 19-year-old has... 800 plus friends and the average 50 plus year old has 20 friends. And, you know, what does that say about, you know, this younger generation, as you said, and, and their march towards, you know, using social media and, and then how do they either accept a certain lack of privacy or um, figure out ways to create privacy or, or, you know, what, what, how does this play out? Do people, start to adopt things like path, um, which I know you don't see happening anytime soon, or do people just find ways to, again, sort of balance the acceptance of the exposure you have with things like Facebook and maybe use certain privacy settings that show some intelligence about how to use the tool? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that I think gets to the to the root of it, right, is that we don't yet have that sort of genetic intelligence of how to use these tools. These tools are not sort of in intuitive. The usability may be intuitive. We strive for for developing tools that are intuitive to use. But the we don't really have it in our fingertips yet, I think. And and people click yes and I agree an awful lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that becomes sort of the challenge. The facial recognition thing on Facebook. Well, there are two things you said that I want to make sure I I just sort of jump in on. The first is the loss of 16, I say loss in kind of quotes, of of 6 million users in the U.S. I think, you know, that that data came from sort of extrapolated data from the inside Facebook, Facebook fan site, right? The website that tracks Facebook data based on sort of aggregate, um, advertising uh, unit response 
not from Facebook itself. Right. Yeah. Uh, not a public announcement by them. It, right. And the public announcement from Facebook was, you know, you're getting, yeah, we, we know this. It happens all the time. You know, we get these the fluctuations coming from these third-party sites. This is not, um, you know, that should not be construed as official data. There are so many things that go into, you know, um, you know what these people are doing. Uh, that what really they're talking about is not a loss of accounts, right? It's not 6 million people um, that have said, I quit Facebook. That is not the story. It is a a delta change in the number of people who have logged into Facebook in the last month, right? So what they're, they're extrapolating that by saying, oh, fa- 6 million people are, have quit Facebook in the U.S. And really what that says is 6 million people were busy with final exams or, you know, whatever, and just didn't get around to Facebook. And maybe that is a, correla- a correlative kind of data point. Maybe not. And we sort of have to see over the next three or four months, how does that actually shake out? Are those people really not using Facebook after 90 days? Then maybe we can say... You know, Facebook is is showing a decline. Otherwise, I just think it's too soon to to tell. Um, you know, with a data point like that, it's it's just I don't know. I don't think it means anything yet. Does that make sense? And, and yes, it does. And I, but I, yeah, and I think it obviously it points to how quick people are to sort of jump on sort of a punditry, um, you know, about any any movement at all on Facebook because I think you know I think there's a whole segment of of even say the technology media that are still trying to determine what it is this means i mean anything that grows and change that grows that fast um but also seems to have some sort of relative impact either an impact on or a reflection of um social behaviors that appear to be evolving rapidly um it's hard to make immediate sense of and so yeah i I think you, you you look for little things like that little changes or blips or or whatever to and and then they sort of get talked about to death i guess um and uh and i don't know i just don't think anybody's a real expert on on how in fact uh or if i guess we've changed in in any dramatic way in terms of our social behavior um relative to these tools or you know what, what sort of what's been the the influence and what does it mean and 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 so, you know, like that one I threw out a bit ago where you say, you know, because on the one hand, you know, one of the highest growth demo, demographics on Facebook is women over 50. And so then when you point to, okay, the average 19-year-old female and the average 50-year-old female, how many friends on average do they have? Um, and that the number is so dramatically different, I think people want to sort of throw that out there and say, therefore, people are dramatically different you know generations are dramatically different generations communicate in dramatically different ways is that really true you know what i mean i i, I don't know that I, I just think that there's just these this anecdotal evidence and and what does it mean i don't know yeah i you know i think that's kind of the that's kind of the nut of it we don't know and there are a lot of people who want to know and it seems like the people who are the most sort of instantly inclined to jump on those headlines are the are the more vocal detractors of Facebook. Oh my god, 6 million people quit Facebook last month. See, I was right. And and the people who I think are um maybe we're not hearing from quite as much but who are um paying as close if not closer attention than anybody else are the advertisers. Yeah. 
that are, um, you, you know, and, and how you so group on another fast mover, um, you know, what's the impact in the advertising landscape on its um, share of the ad dollars and how does that affect the rest of the media landscape or again, you know, Facebook, um, you know, how, how much, uh, year over year are ad budgets, you know, sort of being siphoned off into these new players. Um, and what does it mean to other more traditional media? And that's maybe why when you're watching traditional media, it's the detractors that show up so loudly. I don't know. Mm. I don't, that sounds a little, uh, conspiratorial but you know but you wonder i totally wonder um there was something else i wanted to talk about that was only loosely related to this well very loosely related i can think of um that i think is very interesting is the apple uh store um uh now i can't remember his name but the 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 guy who's it was ron johnson yeah, and I don't know if it's his brainchild per se, but he came in from Target to really help launch what has become one of the most successful retail concepts in history is now going to JCPenney, which is, of course, a perfect logical leap. Well, all right. I think <laughs> this, it is this if is you not take the one Apple. For, no, no, no. I, I, no, I think it is a total logical leap if you take Apple out of the picture. Like, you cannot be sarcastic and say that sentence if Apple is not in the picture. But there are two things that make you have to sort of second, like, think through that that jump. Number one is, um, you know, he's a he's a retail guy. He's not a computer guy, first and foremost. Right, like, he's right. a guy who knows how to help people get inspired by the products that they're seeing, whether they're Apple computers or iPhones or iPads or, um, you know, clothes and jewelry and things like that, right? But the second one is he's, he's not going to JCPenney to you know run their retail operation he's going to run the company right as ceo and chief executive and i mean talk about a dude who is passionate about the move he bought with his own funds a lot of stock uh in in this thing like tens of millions of dollars as part of the deal to to be it's almost as if he had to pay them so that he could be ceo what I thought you were about to say is he was so passionate about this move that he used his own funds to buy an entire JCPenney wardrobe and is now wearing it. But that's not... <laughs> and that's had to not buy a you... new house because he had so much clothes <laughs> out of it. <laughs> he is... Uh, I, have, I have fun memories of JCPenney growing up, but have not been there in a long time. And, and I got to say... Maybe you will because all the displays well, will be Maybe glass. I will. Maybe I will. Because Wait, so you see a JCPenney made entirely out of glass in downtown New York City. <laughs> right? An iconic. It will be an yeah. iconic JCPenney in the Washington <laughs> Square Mall in Portland, Oregon. Yes. <laughs> I cannot wait to see it right next to Orange Julius. And um, it will stand up well next to linens and things. <laughs> but I got to tell you. so the, the, but the B. Fact Daltons. That made this- oh, thank God it made it past the B. Daltons era. Oh. We're, I know there's just some there's kind of some uh, there's a cemetery of of uh, retail that there is and I feel like we could go to you should come here and we'll go to J C Penney's together a new and improved J C Penney's and then we could go to Chevy's. I think there are people who thought J C Penney's maybe no longer existed. I think there are. I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> because you there's never a, know, you right? can be a CEO of a company that's gone. <laughs> that's awesome. 
Um, but here's what I like. I like the fact that this move has sort of reinvigorated some of the stories about the, the birth of that of the Apple Store retail concept and the ideas behind it, which when you kind of put them all together, together in summary, there's, there is obviously some sort of special sauce there and maybe kind of a, you know, a magical recipe, which I think at the end of it is, you know, the key ingredient is the products. And I don't think you could have the Apple Store concept really without the products behind it. But at the same time, when you read things like, you know, as though it's a really novel concept, and I guess it is, to actually control, you know, what apps are on the iPads and what um, what what videos and pictures are on um, the, the the displays when you're looking at things like how does iPhoto work on an iMac if you're new to the Mac and you walk in the store, you know, the fact that Apple would, would have control over what images are seen there. Well, that at the end of the day is not really like, wow, no one, no one ever could have thought of that before. But I'll tell you, man, a ghost of a store up the road from me is a Shopco. And it's wow. just it's kind of a scary, depressing experience every time. There yeah. are, I don't know what, it's a huge, huge vacant kind of, I mean, it's, well, vacant. It's huge. It's a real store. It's open. You can go in right now, <laughs> buy things. There's just a handful of employees and a handful of shoppers, and no one's really in control it, of, you know, I mean, well, in particular of the sort of the, the electronics area. It's a disaster. And asking a question about anything, no one knows the answer to. And so, you know, I, I think the leap from a, a small space like an Apple store and controlling that experience versus you know, the JCPenney story store. And as you say, he's going to be CEO not to really run all of the details of, you know, the retail experience, but, but you have to imagine he's going to have his fingers in it. Yeah. If they didn't step in and say, well, here's what we found. If you, if you just, you know, have that much more control over the shopper experience and, and how they feel when they come into the store and what they see, you can sell more products. And the other thing I loved about reading about the Apple store recently was this whole, it's a quote from their um, manual, um, the employee manual, I guess, or the sales training manual, whatever that says like, you're not a salesperson. um, You're like a problem solver. And when customers come in, you're not there to sell them a product. You're there to help them solve a problem. And they may not know what their problem is. You need to help them identify their problem and so they're not, there aren't sales quotas uh, or, or sales commissions in that regard, um, but their training is, is, is that. And I think how many other businesses could benefit from a shift in their thinking or their sales approach, you know, from pushing a product to solving a problem? Yeah, no doubt. You, you know, on, on that point, you said something a minute ago about Apple and his approach to, you know, would, would his concept have, have, you know, worked without Apple's products? behind it and i I just i think of that a little bit uh different way that what he what his gift is really um is finding the perfect vehicle to display and promote these products right and he did that with apple's products he I, i think the apple retail store concept was something that came out of him looking at Apple's products and saying, this is something that uh, I I think I have a way that will really adequately show off these products. And that gift of being able to sort of step back and look at those products, I think, 
is what makes him so successful. It's not that he found a model of having tables that glow and no cash registers and applied that to these Apple products and then Apple True. products drive it. He has he looked at those products and found something really unique, like a way to manage. And there are things that don't work about it. There are things when you go in there in these stores that are so crowded, like, but I don't, I have no idea how they could make it any better. Um, you know, when you go in and buy something and the place is just jam-packed with people who want to buy these products, I mean, I, it, it, it sort of works. As pissed off as I get, because I have to wait, yeah. it really works. And, <laughs> and it and shows it, off these products really, really well. And the, at, at any one point during this past recession, if you were really feeling down about the economy... go to an Apple store. Just go to an Apple yeah. store. And it's like, oh, the economy's maybe not so bad. I don't know. You it's know, it's, it's a funny thing. Like, the, the latest updates, I mean, it's really smart. Like, I went in for the first time after the latest sort of revision of the Apple store, you know, where now they have iPads that run all the, all the display units. So you can get more information. And the place was jam-packed. And I thought, I, this is usually when I would leave. I would go somewhere else to buy whatever I needed. I needed to get a new uh, uh, you know, case for my iPhone. And uh, so I found my case on the wall, and I grabbed it. And I thought, how am I going to get somebody's The blue shirt, you know, the Star Trek mm-hmm. kind of red shirt corollary. Somebody in this Apple store is going to die. Um, and, and so I, I went over to one of the kiosks. And uh, there's a little thing. It said, uh, you know, get page somebody for help right here. And you hit the little button. It says, you want somebody to come get you and help you? I said, yeah, I want somebody to come help me. And I clicked the little button. <laughs> and it took about it took about 25 seconds. I stood there for about 25 seconds, and somebody came to me and said, what can I help you with? I said, I want to buy this. They took my card, and I was gone. It was, and, you know, and, and just, you know, Walmart has that same thing, just by the way. go Go try it there. Yeah. That's, a whole, that's a whole different experience uh, when you push that button at the Walmart. Uh, I tried that once. That's funny. <laughs> um, but, but I think it needs to be said, or at least, you know, people, I, I think it's interesting to remember how risky that whole retail concept really did seem at first on the heels of the failure of the gateway retail concept. Yeah. And CompUSA, I think, was fading fast at the time. Um, it really didn't look like a surefire deal. Like, hey, we'll just open up these you know, retail stores and sell our products. I mean, Apple was, before they started opening those, it was, um, the, the encouragement was to buy it online because, you know, Apple makes the most money there, at least overhead that way. Um, and that's the way I bought, you know, my first iMac and, and several things. Um, and I liked the online, you know, support and I thought, wow, they've got a real model here. And it, and it reminded me of gateway, which started that same way. Um, and then gateway did these retail stores and then they failed. And then, you know, here's Apple doing these retail stores, but it was the most brilliant thing. And you know, Mm -hmm. how, how much of that was jobs, how much of it was the products, how much of it was Ron Johnson. Um, it worked definitely. And it's interesting to watch. And, and, and then Microsoft has been what? Uh, maybe are they a year into their yeah stores so. now? And I, I think they're successful. I have no reason to sort of doubt. I mean, people like I have showcase. No idea. I have no idea how those are doing. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been talking for a long time, and I have one more thing. I think. But have you seen the uh, the Lulsec stuff? No. This Lulsec is the new anonymous. 
I think they've just supplanted Anonymous as the most popular hacking group on the planet. Oh, okay. Very, yeah, yeah. very public, um, you know, taking a lot of credit. They brought down the CIA website this morning. Those guys, yes. Um, and uh, the, I, I think the only thing to mention f- is that, uh, you know, they just leaked 62,000 email and password combinations, uh, sort of an internet goodie bag, Gizmodo is calling it. Um uh, just lots of login info for stuff, and it could be yours. So, um, let's see, Sam Biddle writes, fresh off their face-kicking of the CIA's website, Lulsec just decided to go with something a little less political, a 60,000-plus set of login info for, they won't say, but they're encouraging everyone to try them out across the web. So far, eager downloaders have been retweeting claimed prizes of pilfered WoW, PayPal, porn, and Gmail accounts. Lulz hasn't said where they got the idea or what it's good for. Instead, they're just encouraging their retinue to be creative instead of being a potato. That's a quote. Be creative instead of being a potato. Try PayPal combinations, Twitter, Facebook, eBay, RuneScape. Pick a target from the list. Uh, So, you know, pretty much uh, go change your uh, passwords on important stuff. I changed a few of those recently. Yeah, I need to do some more. Not only change it, but change them often and use different passwords for the mo- your most important sites. And you know, it's uh, annoying just to throw this out there. I, I uh, in an effort to kind of make my passwords a little more complex, decided to use InstaPass as a way to not have to, you know, have to remember these more complex passwords. And they got hacked a couple of weeks ago. Are you kidding? No, I got a message about uh, InstaPass getting getting hacked. Ugh. That's annoying. They're like, well, they we don't think they found your your key password to our site, but you know, so the so you're with with uh, Instapass, you have one password that sort of controls all your other, and then you can have like a different crazy password for every other site as long as you can remember this one for Instapass. But um, yeah, so all your other passwords were exposed. That is annoying. Truly. Well, so that's the deal. Change your passwords, people. Ugh. That's annoying. So frustrating. Darn this technology thing. God, they're ruining it for everybody. Stop <laughs> pissing in the pool. <laughs> Just makes me mad. <laughs> Tell me you don't agree with me on that. No, I agree with you. Stop pissing in the pool. Stop pissing. Good point. Okay. Well said. Well Punctuation said, on this show. I'm, I'm finished. Way to punctuate it. Are you done? So done. It was good talking to you. It was great. Poor Megan wasn't here again, but we miss her. Yeah, she can she can catch up. We'll hear we'll hear her opinion on this show in December. (laughs) She'll call us and just say, "You guys are tools." What kind of crappy show was that? That was a terrible show. They're talking about. Do I still have to be on this show? Uh, I'm still invited because it sucks. Because I hope you disinvite me. (laughs) Take it back. Uh, that was funny. All right. I'll catch you later. Okay. See you, Pete. Bye.